Welcome to the Social Justice War Room, the podcast where we look at social justice in fiction, reality, and everything in between. My guest today is a friend from the Webs Comics community who's also done a lot of multimedia work. You can see his work at the True Universe, named for the true core thread that runs through it all. We'll get to that. Please welcome it, Trip Gustin. How, how are you doing today? I'm good, Neil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so the the work you've done is superb, and especially with the True Colors comic, really moving. How Thank you. would you kind of pitch the whole entirety of what you're doing? Because there's several projects on your site, and some of them aren't comics per se, but like text adventures and flash it games. Yeah. So, um, yeah, kind of like you were saying before, um, kind of the umbrella term that I've come up with for my stuff is like the true universe. Uh, so it's like trueuniverse.com. but, um, basically, you know, it all started with true colors, which I had been planning for since like college, um, as kind of a coming of age story. Um, it deals with, uh, four kids who kind of, most of them meet on the first day of college and dealing with freshman orientation. And it's sort of an exploration of identity and coming of age as they kind of like grapple with their pasts and decide who they want to be in the future. Um, and so that's kind of what started it off just, you know, pulling a lot of inspiration from other comics that I've enjoyed in the past, um, like uh, Asamanga Dayo and different um, coming of age stories. Um, and so, you know, a lot of it kind of came from there and me wanting to kind of explore other elements of the world. Cause even though true college is kind of a pretty straightforward um, coming of age story dealing with, you know, kids in like a college setting, there's also like some kind of sci-fi elements in the world. Um, like we alluded to before, there's this like huge corporation called true corp um, that kind of is sort of an undercurrent in true colors, but takes a center stage and other comics like um, corp set, which is pretty inspired by other like interactive fiction, like, um, uh, MS Paint Adventures, such as Homestuck and Problem Sleuth, and then just, you know, other things online like Kid Rad, um, dealing with like, you know, animation and some like meta elements. Um, and so that one's kind of like more sci-fi based. And um, after that one wrapped up in 2019, I want to say, um, I started uh, Input Quest, which is another um, kind of interactive story that's all based off of the idea of like randomness, um, but it's kind of got some of similar elements and it's not revealed quite yet how it ties into like everything else in the world. Um, but it will eventually. Yeah. It's, it's good that you started with true colors to kind of create an emotional core for your work because the first arcs deal with some extremely heavy themes and some characters who have very dysfunctional relationships as a result of the way they've been raised. Definitely. And that's, that's something I always, really like in stories and want to reflect on my own, even, you know, if it's a story that's about like, you know, sci-fi stuff or, you know, kind of, um, you know, more comedy based or whatever, like I always, I feel like it always comes back to the characters. Um, you know, not like necessarily every story has to do that, but I like that for mine. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, especially in true colors, um, gets into, you know, questions about sexuality and gender expression, also like, um, trauma and abuse. Um, you know, I try not to get like too too graphic with stuff in the story but you know definitely like dealing with like you know domestic violence and um attachment issues and codependency and stuff like that um you know just as ways to kind of 
you know, some stuff is like drawn from my life. Some is drawn from, you know, other people that I've known. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, one of those things of art exploring the human condition and, you know, kind of different topics that are near and dear yeah, to me. There's definitely a way in which art can uniquely show people what it's like and why these things are important because they make you feel what the characters are feeling. And definitely. Put, so it's really hard not to empathize with someone who's being mistreated for their gender identity or someone who's afraid of their own father and his rages. Mm. And when I was going through the, your work for preparing for this podcast, I noticed with Corset how in the background of the college, Truman University is the Truman family's true core. Is that right? Yeah, so that's kind of, and it honestly wasn't even planned that much from the start, but sort of an element that's like increasingly grew the more that I was telling the story was kind of the True Corp um, element, which is this massive like technology company, um, you know, equivalent to Google or Apple or, you know, Amazon that, you know, has sort of like slowly developed a monopoly over like most industries. And so the university itself that True, True Colors takes place in is Truman University. And so, you know, it's kind of explores different themes of like nepotism. And, you know, one of the main characters is, you know, you find out pretty quickly is like the heiress of the company. And so, you know, part of the story is her dealing with like her own privilege, like both, you know, from a class standpoint, but also, you know, um, sociopolitically, uh, racially, et cetera. And so, you know, that's something that the theme started to like develop organically, the more that I was telling it, and it's sort of become like a I guess a core fixture in like most of the stories is sort of that like question of like corporatism and like, how do you like respond to, you know, like a, a university, which is supposed to be like a neutral environment for learning. But, you know, if it's being run by corporate interests that are, you know, using the student body as basically test subjects for new products, you know, 3d food printing and things like that, you know, how does that impact things? How does, you know, the, the, uh, administrative body, you know, the, the Dean or whoever else, like how do they best serve the student's interest if they're also having to answer to these like corporate powers that, you know, have mostly profit on the mind. Um, so that's been kind of interesting to explore. Yeah. Especially since like a lot of the things that are outside the, the realm of reality are getting closer and closer to reality in ways that are tremendously unsubtle, like, Elon Musk doing the brain implant chips. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's like, honestly, has been like planned in my comics for like before it became a real thing. And it was mostly the realm of science fiction, but like increasingly it's, you know, I mean, it's such a, uh, it's pretty hackneyed at this point, but it's like, everything's basically black mirror at this point. That's just kind of how the way reality is going. And it's kind of disturbing to see, but you know, that's for a lot goes, of good fiction, I guess. Yeah, but that goes into the themes of choice and especially in the interactive parts, how you don't really have, have choices. Like with Input Quest, I found all the paths I could take were just randomized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so to kind of explain a little bit more the concept of Input Quest, um, with Corpset, that was sort of, you know, I, I mentioned before, it's like inspired a lot by a lot of like hyper hypermedia um, stories and like interactive stories, um, you know, 
comics like uh, Homestuck and Problem Sleuth sort of, they incorporated like reader commands where readers could submit text to tell the characters what to do. And, you know, ultimately the story is up to the author. So I kind of like took inspiration from that. And so for a lot of Corp Set, you know, a lot of the things in the story are things that the readers were submitting and telling the characters to do. And, you know, I could either like have it, you know, play that straight and have the character just do that or have the character decide not to do that and, you know, kind of get some comedy off of that. Um, but I really had fun with it. It was a very like, interactive like improvisational creative exercise and like figuring out how to like make a coherent story based off of you know that kind of interplay with the reader and I really enjoyed that and I felt like it was like you know something that you it, it's a, like a kind of a new exciting way of telling a story that you don't really see as much with you know if someone's just writing a novel or making a movie or whatever you know it's just the creator's vision and it's presented as is but you know with a serialized story like that especially one on the internet that's such a like um, democratized, you know, medium, uh, you can really have a lot of fun with, you know, kind of having that interactivity. So with input quest, I took that a step further and, you know, people still submit reader commands the same way, but to continue to like, make it even more of an improvisational exercise for myself, it's, I basically like do a random number generator. I'll like take the commands, like usually in the order that I get them, um, you know, and like it, it changes depending on like the, it's like presented as like a faux video game. But like the first path, it's like between one of three options and the second path, it's between one of six options. Um, and I literally will just like do a, I'll assign a number to each of the commands that I've gotten, you know, one through six currently. And I'll roll the random number generator one through six and like whatever it lands on, that's what I have to do. So it's been a kind of an interesting, you know, one just creatively, like kind of, you know, it's a lot like running a, a tabletop game, for example, where, you know, except there's like all the readers are the players and I'm having to like, you know, react to like what they're doing, but also, you know, it's been interesting to explore those themes and what that means for the characters, you know, to, you know, the characters sort of not having a choice. It's, or it's presented like it's their free will, but I'm, you know, if you read it, you'll kind of see there's like some ways that like the question of that free will starts to be pulled into question. And also like the narrator kind of becomes a character after a while and the narrator, you know, it starts to seem like maybe has their own, desires for what the character should do so that kind of idea of you know free will and choice has been fun to play with and this really impressed me that there there's a entire side scrolling game in one of the chapters where your character is shrunk down in the middle of the woods and has to navigate the world with much comparatively larger insect and squirrel enemies and like you didn't have to go to that much depth to make it like you made the game in unity and it has several levels and it has different paths on the levels with that play into the kind of risk versus reward gameplay loop that games are designed around like what inspired you to go that far yeah so that was um I mean, honestly, it's, that's, that's been part of what's fun about um, kind of playing with is like more experimental storytelling things is, you know, and I've been inspired a lot by, you know, again, like, you know, different web comics that also incorporate like flash games and things like that, or, you know, not a flash anymore, but HTML5 games, um, you know, because if you're telling a story on the web, you know, you can really format it however you want, you know, you can incorporate animation, you can incorporate sound. And so like playing with the idea of just having like, literally it's just one panel is an entire like side scrolling game, um, which I did partly because it was just like a cool way to, you know, again, like that idea of choice, like it makes the player like literally be able to control the character and have them, you know, 
not just submit a command, but actively control their actions. So it's kind of feeding into those themes still. And then also just, you know, on a personal level, like I've always really liked video games. I've always been like kind of interested in making video games. Um, and so I like did a tutorial on udemy.com that was like, make your own 2D side scroller. And I kind of just like went through that tutorial and, you know, used my own um, assets and music and uh, sprite work and stuff to kind of make something original. So, so it's just been a fun way of like, you know, expanding my own creative um, capabilities in a way that's, you know, because I don't know, I'm definitely the kind of person who like gets bored doing the exact same thing, like too much, um, yeah. which can be a problem because it means I have like multiple web comics going at once and, you know, maybe should just focus on one if I was to get them all updated at a decent rate. But, but it's, you know, I never stay bored. So it's been cool to be able to experiment with like different mediums and, you know, do new things. So I'd like to make more stuff like that in the future, I think would be fun. Well, it's unique, and I like the idea that you're experiencing different parts of the story from different mediums. I mean, that's something that a lot of big video game companies try to do, like with Final Fantasy, how Final Fantasy 15 had like a CG movie and an anime series and an app and an 8-bit beat-em-up as well as the main game, but most of those were not good. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I, with this, the advantage is that it's all your voice and your direction coming through. But of course, on the flip side, you're not a huge video game company with billions of dollars to funnel into these projects. So, right. and especially in terms of time, like, how do you manage the time you have to create your own stuff? and allocate it to these different things, which I imagine all have their own learning curves. For sure. Um, I mean, how do I manage it poorly a lot of the time? But, you know, it's it's a balance. Um, it's definitely been a struggle because like right now I'm actually like last year I decided to go back to school to pursue a degree in animation, uh, which has been really cool. And, you know, has allowed me to expand my skill set further with like learning how to 3D model and things like that. We're actually doing, there's a global game jam this weekend um, that where my class is participating in. So I'll be able to kind of like expand my video game development knowledge even more through that. So that's been really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, historically, like I've been working on True Colors for, I think since like 2011 or 12, um, you know, so like that's like a decade that, you know, most of it I've been, you know, working full time. So having to balance, you know, a day job with working on comics. I mean, it, honestly, I have to treat it like a second job a lot of the times with, you know, varying degrees of success. Cause sometimes I just, you know, depending on what's going on in life, I don't always have the time to devote to my comics or games as much as I'd like to, but you know, it's, it's a passion project and I always feel bad cause I'd like to be able to maintain a like very steady update rate, but sometimes it's just not feasible. So trying to like extend that like grace towards myself that, you know, I'm just working on it as much as I can, you know, because it's it's a passion of love um, or a labor of love and, you know, trying to devote the time to it that it deserves. But, you know, sometimes sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day. And if I couldn't if I didn't have to sleep, I would, you know, definitely just spend all night working on my own stuff. But, but that sounds like a thread you could pursue in a Black Mirror episode involving <laughs> brain chips. And yeah, of course, totally. it'd go horribly, horribly wrong as it always does. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't need more story ideas because I've already got like tons on the back burner, but you know, that's definitely a, a theme that I could work with is just, you know, not having enough hours in the day versus, you know, everything you want to do. Yeah. And 
speaking of technology and mediums, one concern that's come up, especially in recent years, is how these multimedia projects will persist in the future when the hosts go down, like Flash is gone. And that means a lot of things created in Flash are no longer supported. Mm -hmm. Do you think about that at all? Or is that too far in the future for you to think about or... Um, I mean, I've thought of it about it to a degree, you know, I always, you know, if nothing else, I always try to do a really good job of like backing up all my work. Cause I mean, that's the thing with any kind of digital media is like, in some ways it can last forever and that it can be like replicated, you know, indefinitely, but also it can also be lost forever. So trying to, you know, make sure I have like a lot of redundancy with like my backups and everything. Um, and also, you know, so I'll like mirror the comics different places, but yeah, I mean, there's to a certain degree, you know, it's something I think about some, but also it's the sort of thing where like, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. If, you know, cause the game that I made, it's, you know, made in unity, but also it's like HTML five. So, you know, hopefully that format will continue to be standard, you know, for a while, but you know, if it becomes obsolete, like, you know, I would like my work to last forever, but also, you know, arguably nothing lasts forever. So if it ends up being like a, a transitory thing, you know, I don't feel like it's the end of the world. Um, you know, but hopefully at least like, you know, something like True Colors, which is more of a traditional comic um, or, you know, the ones that are more just, you know, a picture with text, you know, can at least hopefully be backed up and, you know, preserved in other ways. Um, I would at some point like to make like print versions of my work, which, you know, will be a little trickier with the ones that are more like animated and interactive. But, you know, I, I like the idea of it, you know, having taking different forms. But um, yeah, it's definitely a concern because, um, you know, I've seen like other other comics, you know, just be like lost forever um, on the internet if they're, the websites aren't maintained or the the format, you know, you know, like Flash, you know, is no longer around. So it's just something to, I guess, be aware of. And, you know, if you'd like your work to last forever, definitely the kind of thing you got to take precautions for. Yeah, because even though they're backed up on the servers of these huge companies, they're still at the mercy of whoever owns said companies. Right. Yeah. So definitely, you know, like local storage and things like that. Like I have like an external hard drive that I back up everything on um, and have for years, but you know, also who knows there could be a flood or something. And so, you know, you can, you can do your best to back up stuff, but at that past a certain point, there's only so much you can do. So I think it's just a matter of doing yeah. your best. What, well, the future is uncertain to say the least. Yeah. And but I did really enjoy going through your work again, as I've done several times for previous things, like when I was doing fan art of your work. <laughs> and you. I always enjoyed doing so. And with the current arc in the True Colors comic, it seems to be focused on Sonia, who's heiress to this Truman dynasty, but she's also incredibly shy and withdrawn so without giving away more than you feel comfortable giving away like how's that going to play out sure so um yeah like the current chapter is so kind of the way that true colors is formatted is there's like there's five main chapters or there will be and then like in between each main chapter that takes place in the present day there's also an interlude chapter that um it focuses on a backstory of one of the four main characters so, so far it's gotten through Eero's backstory and then also Kit's backstory. And so the next ones would be Ben and then Sonia. Um, 
so the current chapter, chapter three has been a little bit of a, it's been more of a challenge because it's the first one where like basically all four of the main characters are split up, which has sort of expanded it. You know, it's probably going to be one of the longer chapters just because it's tough to like cover as much ground as I want in a you know short amount of time. But um, yeah, kind of Sonia's journey at the moment is, you know, she has these family expectations. Her grandmother is like the current CEO um, and owner of, of True Corp. And because her parents are no longer around, um, but, you know, she has all these expectations from her grandmother, especially um, to, you know, be in a this like business sorority, Delta True, that is, you know, will have all the good connections and things like that. And, um, you know, and feels all this pressure to like live up to her family's expectations. She's like a business major. Um, but, you know, you definitely get the sense pretty quickly that it's not necessarily what she is that passionate about um so a lot of her story is about that interplay between like living up to family expectations but also being true to herself you know hence true colors it's kind of a running theme throughout the whole thing um but also you know grappling with that privilege and you know the fact that like a lot of people don't like her because of her family and who she is and it's a lot of stuff that you know is outside of her control, you know, because she didn't yeah. choose what family she was born into, but also it's something that she benefits from as, you know, the daughter of basically the most wealthy yeah. family on earth. And, and so it's, it's uh, oh, sorry, go on. There's also, of course, as this true core tech stuff and the more sinister aspects of it start creeping into the true color story proper, the fact that she's basically under constant surveillance. That too, yeah. I mean, there's like, uh there's security cameras everywhere like it's there's a couple of panels at one point that show her grandmother just basically watching her and also her new friends that she just made you know and doing like background checks on you know her her new friends you know making sure that sony is making friends with like the right people so that kind of element of trying to micromanage um sonia's social life is definitely a big theme um you know and something that you know again and not to get too personal but you know certain things resonate with my own life and background, but, you know, and also, you know, other themes with Sonia is, you know, her grappling with the fact that like, not everyone is going to like her, but also like what she can do about it. And also, you know, kind of some ideas of like, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, does she want to take on the mantle of like the heiress of this huge company? And if she does, like, what is she going to do with it? Like, is she just going to carry on her family's, you know, current trajectory? Is she going to try to make positive changes? Is it even possible to make positive changes, you know, through like the mechanisms of like corporate control? Like, is it possible to have a like good CEO of a like massive technology corporation? Like that's all stuff that's going to be kind of explored in the future. Yeah, and it, right now it seems like in reality the answer is pointing to a hard no. <laughs> yeah, well, don't want to give anything away too much, but there's it, it's I'm gonna explore a few different angles of it, especially as you know, True Court becomes a big fixture in the world. Um, you know, to kind of I guess give a little bit of a hint because I think I've talked about it elsewhere, so it's not like huge spoiler. But like one of the next stories I'd like to do is focused pretty heavily on like it will be a like time travel sci-fi story and it would take place about like you know almost like 400 years in the future when basically true corp rules the world and so you'll kind of there'll be you know i want all the stories to stand on their own and be able to be enjoyed on their own but there will definitely be like some hints as to you know what 
happened with Sonia and, you know, what choices she made, you know, one way or another and how that's kind of like branched off and impacted like the development of the human race essentially. And it's hard to argue whether or not anyone can really make their own choices in these kind of conditions. Yeah, true. Because, you know, everyone is the product of, you know, their upbringing and their environment. And, you know, they're making choices based on, you know, what's being asked of them in the moment. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of elements like that at play as well. Yeah, well, I it's been great having you on and I definitely look forward to when you can get back to, to doing more two colors, but also I want to urge you and remind my own audience that you're doing this as a passion project and any time you can spare for it under the circumstances of school and work is a gift to the rest of us. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely, it's definitely one of my goals to try and be able to chip away at it a little bit more this year. Well, thanks for coming on, Trip Dustin, everybody. Yeah, thanks for having me.